I want Jesus to come. There's, I mean, this world, you know, I mean, I thank God for the people that I love. I thank God for creation. But the world, the fallen system that we live in is rotten. Welcome to the Tipping Point Show. I'm Jimmy Evans. I'm so glad that you've joined me today. I've got a very special teaching today, and I'm talking about eternal judgment is something that we all need to think about because it is connected to the return of Jesus. When Jesus returns, every human being, beginning with believers, we're going to stand in judgment before him. And I have some very important things to say concerning that for every person. If you're a believer, you're an unbeliever. This is something that all of us need to think through because it's going to happen. It's going to happen to every single person. It's, it's promised in the Bible. Let me say before I get into the teaching, and by the way, I'm going to be answering questions from our subscribers. I've got some very good questions that you guys have written in. So in the subscriber portion, I'm going to be talking about that. If you're watching on YouTube, become a subscriber, $7 a month, $77 a year. We would love to have you be a subscriber here at endtimes.com. Go to endtimes.com and subscribe and you'll get the full Tipping Point show. You'll get uh, Dr. Mark Hitchcock's full uh, podcast tomorrow. Excellent podcast every week. All of our articles, everything that happens, and you get discounts like on our Prophecy Conference that's coming up. You get a 50% discount. And so if you're not a subscriber, become a subscriber to endtimes.com. $7 a month, $77 a year. It's a great investment. The issue of eternal judgment, we get a lot of questions. One of the reasons that I'm talking about this today, we get tons of questions concerning when Jesus returns in judgment. And I want to talk about this to try to answer a lot of those questions, but also just to let all of us know that the day is coming when every person will stand individually in judgment before God. And so wise people realize this. It's like, you know, dying. You know, none of us want to die, but the mortality rate's 100%. You know, if Jesus doesn't return soon, you know, all of us will die, I mean, eventually. Well, people who realize that and they prepare for it, well, that's wisdom to prepare for the fact that, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. You prepare your family, you prepare your wife, you prepare your husband, you, you prepare. But if you're not prepared, it's going to happen anyway. That's the way it is with eternal judgment. This is Hebrews 9. It says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this comes judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Now, this is a fantastic scripture. First of all, it says it's appointed. It's appointed. You have an appointment to die once and after this comes judgment. Now, the great thing about the rapture is there, there's going to be a, a generation of people who never die. I want to be a part of that generation. I believe I will be a part of that generation unless, unless I you know, die before that. I believe Jesus is coming very, very soon. And so there's an appointment for us to die once, except for the rapture. And after this comes the judgment. And for those of us who are raptured, there still is going to be a judgment I'm going to talk about in just a minute. It says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Well, what does that mean? Eternal punishment is avoidable. By grace, Jesus bore the sins of the world and he's taken those sins away. So regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, how phenomenal is that? The, the thief on the cross next to Jesus was such a bad person. He's being crucified. Jesus was being crucified, though he was innocent, to bear our sins. But this was not a good man. But he turned to Jesus, he recognized his lordship, 
And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I mean, so eternity is so easy. It's so possible. It's not hard. It's not for a select few. If you're watching this right now, if you're hearing my voice, I'm telling you God loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. Jesus died for your sins. And if you'll acknowledge his lordship and invite him into your heart, he'll come in and you'll be saved. And that means that your sins are forgiven, that you have the gift of eternal life that's given to you. And Jesus will live inside of you forever. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 19. And I'll tell you the emptiness inside of me. I was very popular. I was an athlete. Uh, I just, you know, I partied. I had all the fun that I ever wanted, but it just never fulfilled me on the inside. That's why I came to Christ. But when I received Jesus at 19 years old in my friend's bathroom after a night of terrible sin that we had gone out and done, and I always felt good about it. You know, when I went out and sinned, it, it wasn't, didn't bother me. But that morning it bothered me because I was empty, because you know, I just kept doing more and more and crossing more lines. And I woke up one morning in my friend's bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, uh, I'll serve you for the rest of my life and I'll never turn back. Because I'd heard the gospel. I just rejected it because I didn't want to change. But I changed that day. And I'm telling you, from that's 50 years ago. It, that was over 50 years ago. The same presence of love in my life has never left. Regardless of, you know, my uh, shortcomings or whatever, by His grace, I'm saying to every person listening to my voice right now, He, God adores you. Jesus adores you so much so that He was willing to die for your sins and my sins. And just by grace, if we'll receive Him, He forgives our sins. He gives us the gift of eternal punishment. So there'll never be a person in eternity being punished that needs to be there. It's all avoidable. And people who understand and accept this, we eagerly wait for Him. Okay, And so that's what it says. The, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we eagerly wait for Him. So. I know a lot of you who are subscribers or, or even viewers on YouTube, but a lot of subscribers to endtimes.com, you guys are eagerly waiting for Jesus. But see, the difference between eagerly waiting and dreading, now, there are people who dread the return of Jesus. Now, I know a lot of young people say, well, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I understand. That. I get that. I would be the same way. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who are living their lives the wrong way. And they dread the thought of Jesus coming or the incoming and them standing in eternal judgment for Jesus. That's a warning sign. And I'm saying to you, you know, and I was the same way when I, when I was living in sin, I had heard the gospel. I knew, you know, I knew God was real. I never doubted that God was real. I never doubted that Jesus died for my sins. I just didn't want to change. But sin is death. And the thing is that, you know, the devil always promises something, but he under delivers. And so Jesus or Satan came into the garden of Eden and promised Adam and Eve, that uh, if they would eat of that fruit of that tree, they would become like God, you know, and the opposite happened. They ate of the fruit of the tree, see, the, and they died. And God promised them, if you eat that tr the, fruit, the fruit of the tree, you're going to die. Sin is death. Satan over-promises and under-delivers, and that's, a, that's an understatement. He promises his life and gives us death. He promises his fulfillment and leaves us addicted and dry and hurting and angry. But Jesus comes and He fulfills us. His promises are true. And one of those promises is that He's coming again. This is Hebrews chapter 6. Now this is the writer of Hebrews again is talking about the elementary foundations of the faith. What are the most elementary principles of the Christian faith? Here they are. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
And so the resurrection of the dead, every person, saved or unsaved, is going to be resurrected. There's going to be, uh, Jesus will come at the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise first, they'll be resurrected, we're going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. But then at the final judgment, all the dead will be resurrected. Okay, so there's going to be a resurrection of the dead, every person, and there's going to be an eternal judgment. Those are elementary principles. That's not a debatable issue. It's an elementary principle of the Christian faith. And this, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. He said, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Now, so Jesus, you know, a lot of people, and myself included, when I was, when I was unsaved, I had the most terrible mouth. I was just vulgar. I mean, I just, every other word I spoke was vulgarity, and my friends were the same way. You know, it's just the way we spoke. And when I got saved, my, it ch I changed immediately. I started changing the way I talked because I was aware of how bad my words were. But even if you don't curse, there's hateful words, there's gossip, there's slander, there's complaining and grumbling, there's lying and deception and all of those kinds of things that Christians do. Okay, Here's what Jesus is saying. Every word that you speak is being recorded. I mean, it's the truth. That's what Jesus said. I don't know. I don't know how we do it. You know, if, if God, obviously God is omniscient. He can remember everything. But what if there's some snitch angel, you know, that follows us around all the time, you know, writing stuff down. You know, that could happen. So I don't know. I don't know how God does it. All I know is every single word is being recorded. Let me say this now. For those of us who are believers and we repent of the bad things we say, it's forgiven. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not. See, as a believer, Jesus said every day, pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And what Jesus is saying there is, in other words, make, keep short accounts with God. Every day when you're praying, you know, even if it's just a short prayer, just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And if there's something you know of you shouldn't have done, just be specific. Say, Lord, forgive me for what I said yesterday to so-and-so or about so-and-so or whatever. I pray you'd forgive me. He forgives you. There, there's an eraser on the recorder. Every word that we speak is being recorded, but there's an eraser on the recorder. That is believers, we live by grace. But I want you to just think for just a minute about the number of people in the world right now that are hateful, that are vulgar, that are um, you know just crucifying people with their mouths, that hurting people. You know, you can you can devastate a person with your mouth. Words are nuclear. And some of you that are watching this, you may still be hurting over a word that was spoken to you five or 10 or 20 years ago. Words are very powerful. So we have to be careful with our words. And that's what Jesus is saying. Words are not inconsequential. Words are not evaporative. They, they are meaningful and they are eternal. And so when we sin, God forgives that. But imagine the people that never repent and they go through life and they just spout off all these words. And Jesus said, you're gonna stand before me in judgment one day. And I'm going to recall to you all the words that you're, you've spoken, and you're going to give an account for it. Now, I want to talk about believers versus unbelievers. For believers, it's all good news. For unbelievers, it's all bad news. But you can change by receiving Jesus. Okay, This is 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Isn't that fantastic? The Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his life. He knows he's about to die. 
And he says, you know, I'm going to stand before the righteous judge and he's going to give me the crown of righteousness because I've loved his appearing. And not just to me, but all of those who have loved his appearing. I know that there are many of you watching right now. You can't wait for Jesus to come. That's the way that I feel. Didn't always feel that way. But the way I feel today is I want Jesus to come. There's, I mean, this world, you know, I mean, I thank God for the people that I love. I thank God for creation. But the world, the fallen system that we live in is rotten. And we live in the world with Satan and a bunch of hateful, evil demon uh, powers that are against us in a world of sin, in a world of sinners. And I tell you, I want Jesus to come. And before he comes, I want to lead as many people to Christ as I can. I want to encourage and help as many people as I can. But I want him to come. And Paul says, do you know that there is a special reward for people who've loved his appearing? I mean, because some of you, that you're, you fall in that category. See, that, that reward that you get, that crown of righteousness, you can't even comprehend how fabulous that is. And you'll have it for all of eternity. It's like a trophy that you wear, but you wear it for all of eternity. And so there'll be people in heaven walking around and we loved his appearing. And so and you'll know who those people are because they're going to have a crown of righteousness like the Apostle Paul. And so the judgment of God, there's, there's two different kinds of judgment. The one is for believers and the other is for unbelievers. Let me talk about the judgment of believers because it's all good. Now, uh, if, if we're believers, we should you know, prepare ourselves for the fact that we're going to be judged. But no one goes to hell from the judgment seat of Christ. The, the judgment seat of believers happens at the judgment seat of Christ. This is, there's a couple of texts I want to read to you here. The first is Romans 14. It says, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. For this in Christ died and, rose and, lived, uh, rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living, but why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Okay, that's a promise. That's, that's for believers. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are well known to God and also trust that we are well known in your consciences. Well, so what Paul says here is we make it our aim to please him. This is the attitude of a person preparing for judgment. It's like if I know there's a test coming up and I want to please the teacher, it means I study. You know, if, if there's a deadline coming up at work and I want to please my boss, it means I, I work hard to make sure that I'm ready for that. There's a judgment coming. And if you don't like this teaching, if you don't like this truth, it's not going to change it. It's, it's, it's going to happen. You can prepare for it or you can not prepare for it. But people who take this seriously, we make it our aim to please God. And then Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, the word, the word there means reverential awe. God doesn't want us uh, being terrorized by him. No one should be, well, an unbeliever or the devil should be terrorized by God in the sense that to get them to change because it, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God and not to be prepared. But for those of us who are believers, we have a reverential awe. The, so let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. And by the way, there are more promises in the Bible for the fear of the Lord than any other subject. 
when can we fear the Lord? Well, what, what does fearing the Lord mean? It means I live my life to please God and to honor God. And, it, and I know that everything that I do is going to have a consequence to it, good or bad. And there, there is. So you see a person, you know, they leave their wallet over here and they get up and leave in a restaurant or something. And you notice a lot of, you know, big bills sticking out of that wallet and you need the money. And you just walk over and say, well, this is a great opportunity to pay some bills. You take that and put it in your pocket. Well, there's not the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord knows God's watching that. And there's going to be, he, he will not bless you for doing that. Okay. But then let's just say you see that person leave their wallet, big, a bunch of big bills sticking out of it. And you grab it and run out to the parking lot and say, hey, you left your wallet. Okay. And you return it to him. You could have taken it. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not just being a good person. It's the fear of the Lord because that's going to come back to me. And the things that we do, when Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, he's talking about giving alms to the poor. Because the Pharisees loved to make a big parade of everything they did. And when they gave something away, they wanted everybody to see it. Jesus said, you don't be like that. Okay. When you do something good, you be very discreet about it, very humble about it. And you give something to that person in need. And it's going to come back to you on the day of judgment. See, every good thing that we do, every, every bad thing that we do that we repent for, it's gone. As far as the east is from the west, God removes our sins from us. So anything that you don't want to stand in account for, just repent. Some of you may have had abortions. You, you've had affairs. You've, you know, you've been a drug addict. Or maybe you're a drug addict right now. You're an alcoholic. Or you've done some bad things. Maybe some of you have committed horrible crimes. You know, the Apostle Paul persecuted believers. And when Stephen the deacon was stoned, Paul watched the coats of those who did it. And one person that I heard said the, the, the person who threw the first stone would watch the coats of everybody else that threw stones. So it's very possible the, the apostle Paul was the first one to throw a stone at the deacon Stephen or the, the deacon Stephen. And in other words, he killed Christians. He persecuted and killed Christians. He became one of the greatest Christians of all time. There's no sin that you've committed that God won't forgive. We have our Israel trip coming up November 29th through December the 8th. We have around 300 people signed up right now, and we can take more. And so if you want to come, we have economy, we have five-star, we have all different levels that you can come at. But we're going to have a fantastic time. This is Pastor Ed Young from Fellowship Church and myself. Uh, every bus, by the way, will have its own tour guide. So if you're, whatever bus you're on, because uh, we'll have a number of buses. You'll have your own tour guide. We're going to go through the Holy Land, but at the different sites that we stop at, uh, Pastor Ed Young and myself will be there teaching. I can't wait to teach on the end times right there where it happens. It's going to be fantastic. We were there last December. It is just so exciting to be able just to sit there and look at what the Bible is talking about, physically look at it and talk about it. And so it's going to be a great time there in Israel. Again, go to endtimes.com. Sign up for our Israel trip. We would love to have you come along. The terror of the Lord just simply means I know I'm going to stand before Jesus someday in judgment and I want to be ready. This is 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. That's time at the day of judgment. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed, revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which is built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yes, so as through fire. So the judgment seat of Christ will be a judgment 
of rewards. No one goes to hell from the judgment seat of Christ, okay? And it's a judgment of rewards. There's no punishments, but here's what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. So let's just say that you're living your life and you're, uh, you give to the Lord, you serve the Lord, you, you live as an example to your children, to your neighbors, to your friends. You're not ashamed of Jesus. You know, you're a gracious person, you're a loving person, but you're but you don't bow the knee when someone, you know, persecutes you because you're a Christian and you want to lead other people to Christ. You, you care about your example to other people and, you know, you help the disadvantaged and you serve people and you're, you know, you're good to children and things like that and, and want to be a good example of them for the Lord. That's, that's gold, silver and precious stones. The things that you do, Jesus said, don't lay up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, lay up your treasures in heaven. The only way you can lay up your treasures in heaven is by giving to the Lord financially and by serving the Lord and serving the people that the Lord loves, which are lost and saved. Leading another person to Christ, you know, Proverbs, things, Proverbs 10 says that he who leads others to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. I think the greatest reward that we can have is to be a part of another person coming to Christ. Let me stop right here and say something. So I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher, and I'm teaching hundreds of thousands of people will watch this teaching I'm doing right now. And so, and I've taught, you know, personally in front of people, I don't know how many people I've taught, and through television and through books and all that kind of stuff. That's great. You know, so you say, well, Jimmy, you're going to get a big reward. Well, it's not just me. It's every person who is a part of what I've done. An example, I preached, I preached in a church yesterday Thousands of people were in that church and heard me preach and some people got saved and a lot of people got helped, I hope. But see, there were people uh, working in the nursery um, and taking care of the little kids. Did you know they get the same reward as I get? For every person that got saved in the service where I was preaching, every person that gets help through what I do right now, uh, the people who support this, you're a part of that. Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. So some of you out there and say, well, I'm not a preacher. You know, I, I'm not an evangelist and I'm not a missionary. And, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have that big of a reward. When, when you just join with your local church, when you join with people, you support people, you pray for people, who are helping other people, you're a part of that. And so I, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked when we get to heaven and God's rewarding us. And we all, and all of us who have been a part of an endeavor to help people, that we all get the same reward. And that's the way I want it to be. Because I could not do what I do without people serving in the nursery and working in the parking lot and, and ushering and, and ministering at the altar rails and all the other things that people do. We're all a team. It, it's a team effort. And I'm just saying no, nothing good that we do goes unnoticed. But, but what happens at the judgment seat of Christ is wood, hay, and stubble. That means the things that we do that are just selfish, they're temporal. Well, all of us do those kinds of things. They're just selfish. They're temporal. They don't have any eternal value. It's not helping anybody else. And those things are burned up. It just means they don't, they don't endure the judgment. We don't hurt. You're not going to be sitting there screaming like you're being burned. It's nothing to fear. It's something, though, to prepare for because the nature of our lives is going to be judged. Now, there will be people. Let me go back to the thief on the cross next to Jesus. I don't think he's going to have a lot of reward. But let me say, there's no bad, there's no bad place in heaven. There's no good place in hell. And so the judgment seat of Christ will reveal the nature of our lives. And some people are just, some Christians are just ext extremely selfish people. 
and they just don't do much for anything. They don't do much for the Lord. They don't give, they don't serve, they don't help others. Are they going to go to heaven? Yes. Are, are they going to be blessed in heaven? Absolutely. Heaven's phenomenal, but God is not a socialist. There's going to be people in heaven that didn't have a lot in this world, and they're going to be filthy rich for all of eternity. Now, the great thing about heaven is I think we'll all share with each other. You know, if, you, if someone over here has a lot of reward and the one over here doesn't have much, I think that we'll, you know, all be one big happy family and share. But still, there's going to be a consequence at the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be a consequence for the good and bad things that we've done. Now, this is Jesus in Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who uh, loves and practices Alive. So notice that Jesus said, my reward is with me. The judgment seat of Christ occurs at the return of Jesus, okay, at the rapture. There are other judgments after that, but the judgment seat of Christ happens at the rapture. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. Now, this is very important. We're saved by grace, but we're judged by our works. Okay, we're saved by grace. If, if we sin, we're forgiven by grace. Okay, so grace, we, we are saved by grace, we live by grace. But on the day of judgment, we're going to be judged according to the things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. That's what the Bible says. And so I'm just saying in the time that we have between now and when Jesus comes, it just preparing for Jesus and preparing for judgment just means we're careful about what we do. We're careful about what we say. There's a consequence. We have an appointment with Jesus. And we're going to be looking him in the face. Your friends won't be there. Social media won't be there. It doesn't matter how popular you are today or how much support you have somewhere to do the wrong thing. On the day of judgment, it is us and God, and there are no lies. There's no bargaining. There's, there's nothing like that. He knows everything. And we're going to stand in account. Now, for believers, it's going to be a judgment reward. Some people won't get a lot of reward. They'll get heaven. They'll get Jesus. It'll be fabulous. It's worth everything. But there are other people uh, that they're going to stand before God and they have lived their lives for Jesus and for others, gold, silver, precious stones. There are others, it's wood, hand, stubble. I think all of us have a combination of that, those probably. And some things are going to be burned off. It'll be a great time. It's not going to be a judgment of punishments. It's a judgment of rewards. But our, our lives are examined and the nature of our lives is revealed. Well, the other judgment that's coming up is the great white throne judgment. And this is the judgment at the very end of, of human history. Um, and it's a judgment of degrees of hell. Now, this is interesting because some people say, well, Jimmy, there's degrees of hell. Yes, there are. This is Jesus in Matthew 10. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and in Sidon, they would have repented long ago, long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now, this is a very interesting comment because you say, well, Jimmy, there's degrees of, of hell. According to Jesus, he said it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for Capernaum and Bethsaida and the areas around where Jesus did most of his mighty miracles. And he was saying to them, if, if this had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented and it would still be there to this day. 
He said, therefore, it will be more tolerable for the people there than it will be for you on the day of judgment. Let me say, there's no good place in hell. And I don't want this to encourage anybody to say, hey, well, you know, great. Well, you know, I'm going to be a good sinner and, you know, not do that much bad, but I still want to go to hell. There's no good place in hell. Hell is hell. But what Jesus is saying here is there's going to be an individual judgment for every unbeliever. And the book of life is going to be opened. And unfortunately, at the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20, everyone goes to hell. There's no selection. There's no selection of righteous. There's no selection of people who accepted God. Everyone goes to hell. So here's, here's what I'm saying in this teaching today. You have an appointment. And God loves you. God loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. And the greatest statement of his love was the death of Jesus. That, that showed you the value that God puts on your life and on your eternity. And if you want to live in eternity for Jesus, it just means receiving Jesus as the Lord of your life. It's that simple. Is that opening your heart to him, repenting of your sins, which just means I'm willing to change Jesus. I don't want to be the Lord. of. I, I'm going to step off the throne of my heart and I want you to step onto that throne. And I want to live the rest of my life for you. I won't be perfect, but, I, but I'll be yours. And my desire is to live my life for you and to be ready on that day. And again, I want to say, I know that some, some people, you've already checked out of this message. Maybe you clicked out a long time ago. But I want you to know I'm bringing this message today because we all need to be reminded, believers and unbelievers, in this world of sin, when people have no fear of God whatsoever, there's so many people doing so many things. They have no fear of God whatsoever. We need to live in the fear of God. And that doesn't mean we're terrified of God. It just means we have a reverence of understanding. I am not my own and I do not have the right of self-determination. I'm a sheep. He's the shepherd. I'm the clay. He's the potter. I live for him. I live to glorify him. And for those of us with that attitude, we eagerly await his appearing. We love his appearing. And I'm talking to a lot of people. I know you do. And, but I'm just reminding all of us. There are some people watching this right now. You're, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm saying he loves you. And as I'm, I'm, as I'm saying these words, if you're ready to open your heart to Jesus, I want you to say these words with me. Your eternity will change here in about 20 seconds. If you'll say these words with me, say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and open my heart to you. I pray that you will come into my heart I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I pray that you'll give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to live for you and the power to change. I commit the rest of my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, your eternity just changed. That simple little prayer changes your eternity. And you can know that now you're going to go to heaven and you can look forward to that and you can prepare then to have the judgment seat of Christ rather than the great white throne judgment. You need to tell someone, if you have a church, go tell somebody at your church what you've done. Ask them to water baptize you. If you don't have a church, find a good church that preaches the Bible, full of grace and also believes in water baptism, will baptize you there. But take the first steps now in your new life in Christ. And, uh, and you can know now that you're saved on your way to heaven. I know some, some of you also, uh, you may be believers, uh, but you've backslidden. You're not living for the Lord right now. I, I want this message to be for you a, a loving, gracious wake-up call. It's not too late. It's never too late. 
Uh, God loves you regardless of what you've done. If you've done, he loves you. Regardless of what you've done, he'll forgive you. But it's time to get back in. Let me say, what has the devil ever done for you? What has what your lifestyle ever really produced other than heartache and emptiness, honestly? And you may be addicted. You may, you know, all those kinds of things. God will deliver you. You say to Jesus, Jesus, deliver me. I repent, deliver me from this. And you take the next steps. And But I tell you, God loves you. And we need to be, li if there's ever been a group of people on the earth living for Jesus, this generation right now need, needs to be living for Jesus Christ. I want to go now to the subscriber portion of the program. I'm going to answer questions that subscribers have written in. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, I want you to become a subscriber at endtimes.com so you can get all the entire program. This is how we support the ministry, not just the ministry of endtimes.com, the ministry of XO Marriage. That's the main ministry that I'm a part of right here in South Lake, Texas. So become a subscriber of endtimes.com, $7 a month, $77 a year, so you can get the entire podcast here, plus everything else we do on endtimes.com. If you're a YouTube uh, viewer right now, God bless you.